Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, Coomer, uh, we've had four days to process since our, our last meeting about the hire of, of Coach Miller. And um, in that time, we've seen a, a press conference from our five foot eleven, one hundred and ninety pound coach. And um, you know, I don't know about you, I don't know about the rest of Bearcat fans out there, but after watching th- that that press conference, I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty that it is one of the greatest days to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. And after that spring game, one of the greatest days ever to be a Cincinnati Bearcats sports fan. Indeed, it is. And leave it to Hummer to go hyperbolic on this moment. One of the greatest days in Cincinnati Bearcats basketball history, he says. Uh, That is the introduction to our newest basketball coach, our official introduction. Uh, Wes Miller is now officially the basketball coach at the University of Cincinnati. And he has been formally introduced in the form of a socially distanced yet broadcast on ESPN plus and YouTube amongst other places, uh, press conference, uh, where he got to, where we got to meet the guy and listen to him talk and listen to, listen to him espouse what he believes in. And I got to say, I think we at least think say it went well the, for old Weston. Can we say he's at least the greatest Cincinnati Bearcat basketball coach within the last like six days <laughs> he's up there he definitely he's <laughs> he's very much in contention he's definitely top two yeah we'll, we'll definitely get into uh what what has us so excited but yeah hummer we will start here with with weston miller's press conference and and what's happened here in the first few days of his tenure at uc uh, his first recruiting class is fully in order we'll get into that but yeah i thought the the press conference that uh they held for him and his ability to kind of get the fan base route up that that went as well as John Cunningham could have hoped as well as Wes Miller could have hoped. And honestly, as, as a fan base, you can feel the energy and enthusiasm rallying around him. I'm not saying everybody is rallying around him, but the 99% fan base percent of fans are rallying around. him. It feels That's like a strong, a strong high nineties percentage that is, is feeling the excitement when it comes to Wes Miller and what he's bringing to Cincinnati. I think I saw a poll out there. I'm not I can't mention him two two podcasts back to back. Can't mention him two times in a row, but uh, there was a, there was a poll. And last time I checked, I don't know how long it's been. It was at 89% uh, guest satisfaction. Um, let's do it. My, my best friend is Neil Slayton. His polls are the best. Uh, uh, but last time I checked, it was at 89%. So I think, I think we're, 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 we've probably surpassed 90 by now. If you go back there, give, give Wes a vote. He, it's worth your time. Yeah, I thought he did. He spoke differently than what you're used to at these press conferences. He actually, I think he only used the word culture one or two times during the entire um, speech and question and answer, answer session. And, and I think it's telling because what he essentially was communicating in his own way was that the culture's here and the culture is established and the culture of Bearcat basketball is is what is special and what is attracted is what attracted him to this job. This is one of those special jobs that he thought was 
worth leaving his situation at UNC Greensboro. And that seems obvious, but there's probably division higher level division one jobs that he could have gone after that he didn't. What's what's here at UC, the culture at UC is what's special. And that includes the former players that includes the fan base. And that includes just the overall success that we have achieved and seen here at this university. Um, he kicked it off by saying, I am fired up. And then quickly followed that up by saying, this program will be about the players first. That is almost too on the nose in terms of what message he is trying to send, you know, following up his predecessor. 100%. Because uh, he, I think he made the point, he's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I want to win. and I want to win badly. Just as, just as bad as anybody's ever wanted to win. Um, but the first priority we're gonna get, is... We're going to get a lot of Wes Miller... Uh, impressions from you. I can feel it coming. I feel it too. Cause uh, wait, wait till we get further down into my favorite quote of his, <laughs> but he talked about the putting the student athlete first, you know, the student and athlete first, which I think that's pretty much standard. Everybody says that at some point during their coaching career. Uh, but what stood out to me from that quote was saying, you know, I want them to develop as a person um, like the, in, you know, developing young people and bringing young people in and, I don't know if he hit it in this particular section, uh, but I think it ties into it because it seems like it's his his profile or his uh, persona, not persona, his modus operandi is building relationships with players. And because he mentioned the specific changes to the landscape of college basketball, which is ironically what his his mentor, Roy Williams, uh, cited as one of his main reasons for leaving the game of college basketball. You know, with the one and I guess you could say the one and done college player. Now he can go and transfer penalty free. And he made a point of saying, look, uh, take a look at UNC Greensboro. Before this announcement was made, not a single player had entered the portal. He said, I think that's changed now that that the news is broke. Um, but that actually speaks volumes because uh, what's been going around, you see teams like Cincinnati losing six guys. You saw uh, I'm not going to go through all the teams, but I know there's a bunch of them that lost seven, eight guys. Penn State was another one had a mass exodus. So that's going to be even more crucial going forward with college basketball. So I was really excited about that. Um, he also, I don't want to get into that just yet, because it's the best quote of there. Um, so, you know, talking about the types of players he wanted to recruit. Um, you know, he I like how he addressed all spectrums of people. He, he addressed basically what I amount to as the donors, the administration, he addressed the current players. He addressed the former players. Um, I think he did an all-around really solid job of, of giving us an insight into what his philosophy is about running a basketball program. Yeah, and it, it's not just words either. He said these things in the press conference, but before, even, before the press conference even happened, um, I think the news of Wes Miller's hiring happened Wednesday night. So going into Thursday and then Friday, the first thing he did upon arriving in Cincinnati was meeting with the guys who were currently in town and meeting with the current players who were here and trying to speak with all of them if they had to through, through phone. So he's instantly trying to forge those, those relationships, letting them know, Hey, this is me. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm trying to bring to Cincinnati. This is who I am. Um, and clearly self-aware enough to know that that's just not some magical switch where, Hey, they're automatically going to follow you. Like I need to, I need to, let these guys get to know me as quickly as possible so that they can get a feel of please buy in, get two feet in. I think is what he said in terms of, said, of buying into the program. There was is if you go two feet in with me, I will go two feet in with you. 
Right. So he he knows exactly what to do in terms of who's important. Who's the most important person to me right now? Well, it's those players that are currently committed to the University of Cincinnati. The second thing he did, and, and there's probably, you know, maybe I'm going a little bit out of order here. I know he did start reaching out to set up meetings with the players who had entered the portal. But early on, 6 p.m., I think, on Thursday night, he was first in the car. day on the he job. Was in, the car, in the car on the way to see Mike Saunders Jr.'s family that night. And, and he's setting up a Zoom call with quite a few former Bearcat basketball alumni, including the likes of Kenyon Martin, including um, who else was on that call? I'm blanking out. Gary Clark was on the call. DeMar Johnson was on the call. Our friend Enjoy Ronald me. Allen was on the call. And, and, he's, and he's kind of letting these former players, many of which we know have been publicly skeptical, and maybe skeptical is the wrong word, they were publicly critical of how the administration handled things. And, and that can make you think they were questioning Wes Miller. The sentiment we got from that call is that in no, in no way, shape, or form are they really questioning Wes Miller as a coach, Wes Miller as, from a work, work, work ethic standpoint, or Wes Miller as a guy who can get the job done. It's just they have qualms with how this administration has gone about things. Regardless of all that, regardless of all the baggage that some of our former players, particularly from the Huggins era, have with the UC Bearcats Athletics Administration, he realizes these guys, these basketball alumni, are exactly what make this program special. They are going to feel a coaching change and a hiring process differently than anybody else can feel it. These are the guys with the true sweat equity in the program. And not only do I want them bought, bought in, but I have to earn their trust. I have to earn the buy-in from these players. I know that it's important for me to start building these relationships from day one. And he did that. He did exactly that by meeting with them on day one during a time when maybe there's other things you want to prioritize. I think it was the right move. I think it was a smart move. And it makes me hopeful for his ability to earn the trust and buy in from those players long-term. Oh, for sure. The one thing that stands out to me the most from what we've heard about that call happens to do <laughs> with the most important thing in the University of Cincinnati sports history, uh, other than the players, is, is the relationship with the jump man and uh, the jump man, Jordan, Jordan Brand. I like how all of a sudden, like, it's, I know it's the jump man is like, you know, the logo that we're all referring to, but we've always been referring it to like the, you know, Jordan Brand and, bringing back Jordan, bringing back Jordan. Now all of a sudden like jump man has become like, Oh yeah, so let's, let's call it by what it really is. Jump man. Um, I did like how he apparently, I don't know, from third, second, fourth, fifth hand sources acknowledged that it, you know, the importance of the, of the brand of the logo of what it's done for you and see what it meant for university of Cincinnati's history and past. Uh, it just makes me hopeful, if not naively optimistic, um, that, that is a, something that the university is going to move forward to move, move towards not to get too far off subject, because I know there was some touchy feelings about like whatever deal is sitting on Cunningham's desk right now that may or may not include if there even is one, uh, but it may not include any, any money going forward. Uh, if you actually think about the deals that, that are going around college sports right now, those, those logo deals, they're not as lucrative as they once were. And you're not going to see that for a while. And in the in total realisticness here, unless we were like already in contact with Adidas and they wanted to take us and keep us from being a Nike school, we're not going to get any more money than probably what Nike Jordan would be offering. Um, 
Under Armour. Uh, I think you would be getting more. I'm pretty sure Jumpman pays less than anybody. I don't think because you have you are getting the right to wear Jumpman. No, you're you're getting the right to wear, but at the same time, it's a competition between the two from negotiation standpoints. You're not going to like, for instance, Under Armour has clearly said we're done paying you. We will give you an allotment for gear, and that's all you're getting. Right? They've paid us. They basically bought Under us Armour's out of the deal. broke. Under Armour. Well, Under Armour's broke, but they they're saying we're not going to pay you anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to we're we're cutting costs because we're a really crappy brand and we should have never entered this market space to begin with. Um, so technically, <laughs> what, one thing Beale, one thing we've learned: former players, basketball players in general, really, really strongly dislike Under Armour. Who liked them? Even Steph Curry doesn't really like them. He just likes them because they they signed him fat checks. At the end of the day, the, the Jordan deal is no worse than what you currently have with Under Armour at, at best, I guess you could say. So the only other option out there is New Balance or Adidas or, or some other quasi you know brands that maybe want to spend money. I'm curious to see where it goes. I kind of do hope it goes to, to, to Jumpman because I really just want to see uh, – I want to see some red suede Jordan 12s. Uh, being rolled out with some the red Jordan the red Jordan jersey again, uh, and then I want to see some badass Jordan uh, like Air Force One or like Jordan Air Force uh, Jordan One football cleats on our wide receivers. You know, show me how fast you can run some Jordans. Uh, I'm pumped about it, but I digress. Let's keep moving on with with the press conference and what what he's done so far up until today. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. I mean, I'm I'm less of a gearhead than you. Someone's got to be that guy on this podcast. Um, but yeah, everything everything we heard from that Zoom meeting is that Wes Miller understands and appreciates the significance of the Jumpman brand as a whole in a vacuum, but also as it pertains to UC. And I would I would venture to say that um, based on what we heard from that call. Uh, he's going to advocate and do whatever he can possible to bring it back to UC and advocate we, for it. So we'll see. We, we know what he can do if we want to get a better deal. He has a he has a not necessarily a direct connection to MJ, but you know we know someone he knows. Someone I know he knows a guy does. who knows a guy. You know, yeah. I know a guy who knows a guy who may or may not be joining you, cats. And as you've emphasized, Tomer, the red and black color colorway is uh, is a Jordan brand staple. So there's there's plenty of reasons to do it. It's fire. It's fire. It, it lines up with the Chicago, the original Jordan colors. It just, it all makes too much sense for the University of Cincinnati to have that. Look, if, if Houston's good enough for it, God damn it, so are we. <laughs> we digress. We definitely, we went off on a tangent there. We'll kind of get back on topic here. Well, let me, um, let me get you back on topic. You were going through what some of the stuff that Coach Wes Miller has done since before the press conference even started. We talked about the call on his way. We also heard that he had at least scheduled his flight, which we learned, I think he took that on Friday or Saturday to, to go visit Tari Eason in Southern California. Uh, what else did he do prior to, did, was there anything else that he had done prior to? Prior to his press conference, he had driven down to Indianapolis to meet with Mike Saunders Jr. and his family. He had obviously met with Mason Madsen, who was already in Cincinnati. And then after the press conference, he was going to fly out to Los Angeles to meet with Tari Eason and his family. Since then, we now know that Mike Saunders Jr. and Mason Madsen are going to be wearing red and black next season. They will They're be back, coming baby. back. They're back. 
to remain Cincinnati Bearcats. And this would then mean Wes Miller's first recruiting class is officially underway. His first two players recruited by Wes Miller, Wes Miller guys, Mason Madsen and Mike Saunders Jr. And for anyone out there shaking their head saying, no, 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 that's actually some, no, someone else. No, 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 no. Let me correct you. Mason Madsen, Mike Saunders Jr., Gabe Madsen, Zach Harvey. They had it. They had intentions of leaving the university. These they, guys. They were actively being recruited by other universities. Yes. They, they did Zoom calls with other coaches. They did a Zoom call with our new coach, and they have elected to stay at the university. These guys were flight risks, okay? They weren't coming back. And now that Wes Miller is here to save the day, they weren't Mike, just Mason risk, Madsen man. and Mike Saunders Jr. were on Jr. kayak, man. They were they were typing in they were typing in destination, seeing how much the plane tickets cost. All right, they were going on vacation. By the way, did uh, did Mason Madsen just like get some crazy ups on his vertical here? What did he hit 40, 42 inches? That was not in the scouting report. That was <laughs> definitely not in the scouting report we got it from Ryan inches. James Wait, what, on Mason what, what Madsen. Was it forty two? What was the stat? he? It's a, it's a self proclaimed forty two inch vertical. His head was getting dangerously close to the rim. Uh, to a point I'm I'm quite honestly not comfortable with. This is supposed to be we're gonna a be shooter it down this year. We're gonna be throwing it down with limited athleticism, and now we have to officially put out the challenge to Mason Madsen that he has to have a tip dunk or a a driving dunk this season, or it's a bust. Right? That's officially on his his challenge list for the 21-22 season. Mason Madsen's got to throw one at least one dunk down. I prefer it to be a tip slam. So if there was if there was a video game for college basketball and Mason Madsen as a freshman, you know, his, his vertical was like, what would you think they were rated it like a like out of a scale of 10, you know, like a two. And now all of a sudden we're he's like, damn, damn, son, you're seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's someone who came in probably with a vert rating of about five or six. Honestly, I mean, that his athleticism was not raved about. This was not a selling point of his game. And. You know, after a season full of calf raises, uh, guys getting up now. Head, <laughs> heads getting close to the rim, throwing it down you with ease. You said calf raises. Calf raises. <laughs> we're off. We're completely off the reservation here. I'm okay Not with squats, it. Squats. Just, 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 just. He's in there in the shower every morning. No squats. Just doing calf raises, man. Just all right, getting so now, some bounce. So now we have all that. We got the first pieces of a recruiting class underway. We're at the press conference. We're halfway through it. And we're we're not half we're not through the Q and A here yet. We're just we're just through his comments. He gets my personal favorite quote to the current players here. I want you to know we're going to recruit tough, gritty players that play with a chip on their shoulder and want to hang banners and cut down nets. <laughs> You just can't help yourself. It's never going to get old either. I love his accent. He said, apologize for the Southern accent. I'm like, I don't hear it, man. I'm hearing quasi, quasi Matthew McConaughey with a little bit of S. Very, very slow, very deliberate. It's very easy to listen to. And it's a great quote. You know, it's funny that he's actually addressing that line to the current players. And it's something that obviously resonates well with us because he's talking about hanging banners and cutting down nets. And there's nothing that's going to get my heart palpitating more uh, than a coach who's talking about winning championships. Oh, yeah. That said, that 
quote was actually followed up by a proclamation that look the most important pieces right now the core that we have are the most important guys to this program we have what we need to get off to a good start and what i love about that is not that he realizes that jeremiah davenport is the winning player that you need that micah adams woods is the ultimate glue guy that david DeJulius is someone you can really build around from a ball handling and leadership standpoint and that obviously the guys in the portal are are crazy high upside young players that you want to have in, in your program for another three to four years. It's that he's a new coach who's embracing and kind of taking in this team, guys who he didn't personally recruit to play at his school. He's taking them in as his own. They are now his players. They're West Miller guys. And he's making sure they feel that not just in private when he's talking them to them through text or on zoom or in person. No, no, no. I'm proclaiming it to the world. You're my guys. You're the guys that I believe can compete at the highest levels in the American athletic conference for championships. And I want to start with you. Sounds almost like a, a one eighty <laughs> from, from previous regimes. Um, you know, wanting to embrace guys that you may not view as your own. And he's like, you guys, you guys are a part of the family. I want you to be a part of the family. And it goes back to that quote. He said, you put two feet in with me. I'll put, you know, I promise you, I'll put two feet in. I'll put two feet in with you as well. Uh, well, you couldn't, he couldn't have done, done better, you know, with, with what he was doing there. Um, I love how he dressed. Like he's, he's definitely a master of, I think he's going to be a master of a recruitman because he's, he's recruiting at, he's a, he's a natural born salesman, always be closing. Um, he's trying to close them over the phone. He's trying to close them on Zooms in person. He's trying to close them to his press conference. He's also trying to close the local Cincinnati tale by letting everybody know that he is single and ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to be married to this program, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, I thought that was kind of funny because then he, you know, we're not here to talk about, about, the, about the wives or ex-wives in this case. But, but we are. She, but we're definitely going to talk about her. She got a kick out of first off. Uh, my wife doesn't listen, so screw it. She's a smoke show, total smoke <laughs> show. Uh, worth your follow on Twitter. Go, go, go check her out on Twitter. I don't know what her handle is, but you can, you can find her. You can do your, do your homework. Come on, man. It's 2021. It has less to do with what the profile picture looks like and more to do with the wittiness that well, Ashley Love Miller was next. displaying on Twitter this past weekend. Honestly, she was embracing it. <laughs> I, I did not expect Wes Miller's apparent ex-wife uh, to be such a, a humorous and good follow on Twitter. And I can't say that the official Cincy Slangin account is not officially following on her, following her, but you know, it's, it's checking in on her the same way we check in on, sure? I on LBLs. I, I thought I, I thought I hit the follow on her. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. And please do not. All right. I'm not ready to make that kind of commitment. Oh, that's just going to happen now. <laughs> Um, no, I don't. I don't need that. I think I I did on the personal account. I don't remember. Either way, <laughs> no. I loved. I loved that he was. Um, what, I guess what I'm loving about Wes Miller, and I bring that. I bring it up, and I'm kind of being a little facetious about it because I think he's just being raw, and like I get a sense of true honesty from him. If that makes any sense, like he's not holding it back, which is a complete 180 from what we're used to. You know, like I just feel like he's telling it like it is he's not going to bullshit you um he's, he's telling it like he's a he's being a straight shooter yeah I'd, I'd say so i mean he it didn't really seem like he was reading one of these you know meal toast 
speeches that most coaches read at a press conference. I'm not usually, I don't usually have these, uh, uh, you know, brain melting takeaways from a, from an opening press conference. Cause most of them are the same. Most of them are coaches talking about instilling a culture. So would you say that this press conference was good or would you say it was <laughs> all time greatest press conference in history? There was an opening of the podcast that we had to uh, scrap for audio clipping reasons, but it started with Hummer declaring it the greatest press conference in history. And the man just can't help himself. Right. He just did it on this one. (laughs) Nothing gets you going like a new coach. Nothing gets your, you know, gets you in the zipper zone. Like I'm not going to lie. I don't want a new coach for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I I really want it. I just, I like his demeanor up there. I do like the fact that I think we're going to get some very entertaining press conferences in the future because he flat out said it too. Someone said, what are your expectations, you know, for the program, right? What are, what are your expectations? And he basically was like, you know what, I'm, you're probably not going to get me up here off too often talking about results. That was kind of his, his takeaway from it. And he goes, we're going to talk about what it is we do in practice. Basically. He's like, we're just going to focus on the things that I almost took it as we're going to focus on the things we can focus. I don't remember the exact quote, if you have it or insert it here, um, but it's something along the lines of we're going to practice the little things we're, and we're going to dream big. So the goal every year is to win a championship is what he said. Every single year, our goal is to win an American athletic conference championship. Our goal is to be the last team out of 357 teams standing. That's the goal. That is the dream, but we are going to do the little things that are necessary to get there he talked about style of play, but it almost, uh, I was so giddy over the other things he was saying. It sounds like we're going to get, you know, I don't want There's plenty of time. There will be plenty we're, of time to talk style that. of play. That's going to come right now. It's really about first impressions. What he said at the press conference, building out a staff, building out a roster. And we'll talk about that in the coming days. I mean, hopefully we see more, more portal names tied to UC more speculation about who might be making some commitments there's a big looming decision coming from Tari Eason. Uh, Wes has obviously wrapped up his meeting in LA with his family, but obviously that would be a huge coup for the program for, for Wes Miller to get his third player in his recruiting class. And didn't, didn't a certain player in the uh, Southern conference that he just came from uh, one of the top players or conference player of the year uh, just declare for the transfer portal as well. Who uh, was it? Isaiah Miller. I thought Isaiah Miller was going to the draft. They, I don't know. I was, I, Twitter is such a confusing place at times, you know. <laughs> You're too busy stalking Ashley Lauren's Twitter page. I know, really trying be. to figure out what's truth and what's, what's, not, what's not here. Uh, well, we'll try know, and I, confirm I did, I did, that. Let's, con- let's get that confirmed before we actually publish this. Um, all right. I don't, I don't know what of you speak, but, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend for Wes Miller. I listened to a lot of his audio appearances. He's a very entertaining. Listen, he says all the right things. Now it's about executing and delivering results on the court. I think it's a great start getting Mike Saunders Jr. and Mason Madsen back aboard. I love seeing both of them publicly recruit and, and kind of try to persuade Tari Eason to return to the program. Even Nicole Saunders, uh, Mike Saunders Jr.'s mom was getting in on the action. Hopefully, we get great news on that front. I see where I, I see I see where I got it mixed up. It was uh, Caleb Hunter 
uh, who entered the portal from uh, North Carolina and Greensboro. Uh, Isaiah Miller did uh, announce that he's entering the NBA draft and hiring an agent. Okay, please say sorry. Say I'm sorry to our listeners for misleading them with this fake news. Misleading you. I was getting you guys all super excited. Um, but let's not let's not also like let's mention the fact though that I think they said something crazy like five, four, three, four, five years in a row. The defensive player of the year for the Southern Conference has come from UNC Greensboro. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's definitely a defensive coach. That's first, and he said that in the press conference. It starts in, it starts with defense. It starts with the intensity on that side of the ball. That side that's of something ball. I, that's transitioning yeah, something, into football. There, well, not quite yet because there's something else. I think I I may have picked this up. You picked it up. Some people picked it up. Uh, something that was interesting to me is he actually spent a weird amount of time talking about McCronin. Uh, when I say weird, like he, I think he gave it at least 60 seconds. Um, but he talked about like Mick Cronin, but watching specifically watching Mick Cronin's teams play and watching Mick Cronin's style of coaching and you know what I mean? So like, and he, what are the chances he was really just talking about watching Mick Cronin play throughout the tournament? Cause he played so many games this year. I don't think so. I don't know if he was though. Cause I'm the way just he said kidding, it, tongue in cheek, I know but- I'm just, I'm just saying the way that he was speaking about it is that like he studies Mick Cronin as like a say idle, but <laughs> as a, as a, a coaching role model for how he, a uh, part of his philosophy on defense. Yeah. I mean, he clearly values it. If you go look at the statistical breakdown of his teams, they defend, they turn teams over, they rebound the ball. It's, it's what we what we're used to here. It's the tradition of Bearcat basketball. So I think he gets that. I don't think Wes Miller is trying to reinvent the wheel. I think it's a matter of getting this ship back on course and getting some more guys into the program ready to buy in and believe in a common vision and a common goal. And, uh, and it, it really does seem like Wes Miller is up for the challenge. And I'm still not letting you move on because we didn't even take out the most, we even picked apart the most fun remark. Yeah. Now, come on. First off, it's not behind. The word is not behind. We're not going to kick your behind. All right. We're going to kick your arse. I am glad he's willing to just say it out loud. Yes. Yeah. We want to kick Xavier's behind. We yes, want we to do. kick their ass. Thank you, Wes Miller. Rivalries. And he, he also he also put some respect on their name. He said rivalries are only rivalries if both teams are respectable and competitive. And so, frankly, it starts with respect. He may respect them more than I do. Regardless, I look forward to having a coach who's willing to embrace that game embrace the rivalry and work. We're going to be talking about it on these dudes again. He he said, we're going to be talking about it in the off season. Yes. Like that's, that's part of the dream. That's part of the dreaming. It's okay to care about that game. He called him the other school first though. Let's be real. That was awesome. Yeah. Yep. It really was. Hummer. Let's just talk a little bit about the spring game. I got to attend a little bit of the game about an hour. I'd say I was running late. Uh, My daughter had a soccer game that took priority um, they did win two to one tough victory, fourth quarter goal. Great, great to see. Um, but by the time the I got to you credit the coach or the players for that victory, our head coach was missing that game. So this was a players driven victory, nice leadership shown by the assistant coaches and, uh, you know, a lot of grit, a lot of toughness from, uh, from the gals on the field. Uh, but in terms of the spring game showed up kind of late by the time I got there, I would say the crowd had thinned out maybe thousand, maybe 1500 people were there. Rain was starting to come down pretty dreary. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I went with my, my dad, uncle, and, and the, the two cousins. And uh, it, was a, it was a good time. So do I have detailed, thorough notes for you? No, but I do have some broad, maybe you'll find them entertaining can I ask, observations. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Ask me a question. Uh, what stood out to you the most? Like, what's something that, that your biggest takeaway from the spring game? Like if you're, if you're leaving and you're saying, I need to know one thing and one thing only, what's the one thing everybody needs to know? I would say that the defense looks incredibly athletic. I would say if you're looking for like a real life observation, just something that jumped out to me, I would say that the defense was winning a lot of battles that the, the wide receivers, when the quarterbacks were throwing the ball, they were generally throwing into pretty tight windows. Um, the defensive front was getting good penetration. Um, obviously they can't hit the quarterback, but in terms of being disruptive and, and wreaking havoc, they just looked fast. And then there were moments when a running back or a wide receiver would actually catch the ball or even be running up, you know, break through the line, get to the second level. This team can hit. I mean, this is a spring game, a spring scrimmage. And th- because there's only, you know, 1500 people or so in the stands, you can hear everything. And these hits sounded so painful and so powerful and so punishing. That was those sounds, the sound of the defense hitting the ball, hitting the hitting the uh, offensive players and then celebrating as they run to the sidelines, the energy and, and level from the defense stood out to me uh, before anything else. I mean, I just thought they were exceptional. You're, you're getting me excited because that's generally what I feel like. That's one of the best parts about football. Even when you're watching the NFL and you can, you know, they turn the crowd noise up and all of a sudden you just get like a crunching sound of, of someone just getting absolutely leveled. Now, my next question would be, we were talking off air and you had mentioned the, the enthusiastic claps of Evan Pratter and how loud they were. Um, so he's very efficient with creating noise with him. Were, were the crunches louder, you know, plus or minus a decibel level of, of Evan Prater's uh, claps? So with regard to Evan Prater's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct you there. Evan Prater. Prater's claps. Um, you just no, can't. Three, three, four beers in, talking <laughs> about basketball. I'm a little excited here. No, you, what you blame it on is anytime you learn, like in, when you're first learning about Evan Prater, you're just reading about him online. You're seeing him on Twitter. You're seeing the reports of him about potentially choosing UC. You make up the pronunciation in your head at that point. Yeah, so when true. you learn the pronunciation the wrong way, it is difficult to unwind that. So I will forgive you. Um, unlike the time you said Oscar Robinson, I will yeah, not forgive you for that one. Um, and I did not do a good job product- protecting you in the post edit either. However, Prater uh, on his, on his drives, extremely loud clapper. Like his clap was the equivalent of what I would say, describe as like a ballet snap. Like it just was sharp piercing it got through everything you know i couldn't hear the other claps the way i heard the evan prater's claps so i just oh is, is that a result like a strong clap is that re- i know it's obviously not calf lifts here um uh, is that like like wrist curls is that is that what it is you know you take a strong wrist curl is that is that more in the bicep where does that it feels clap? it feels like wrist dexterity like you're able to just like <laughs> really really flick the wrist flick well the wrist. uh which is probably that probably well, translates that- well to being good on the field so i think it, in so terms of passes looking crisp then from that, from that clap, his arm was strong. Yeah. His arm was strong. I would say not maybe as accurate, but in terms of like flashes on the field, Prater definitely shows flashes. 
He's, okay. he's definitely an athlete. He's definitely charismatic out there and then made some really good throws toward the sideline that I saw. Um, I know he also threw an interception right before I got there. So I, it's so probably one mixed reviews overall. I'm sorry. You had some really good videos. I think you might've shown an interception in the end zone. Uh, I might have, I can't remember exactly at this point, but yeah, I mean, he, he threw a pick or two. I can't remember exactly how many, but they got to uh, forgive him against our defense though. Come on. Exactly. The defense was the, the star of the show uh, now, from, from UC spring scrimmage. When you were there, did you get to see Desmond Ritter at all? Saul Ritter saw him take a lot of shots downfield. Like he was really, he was really stretching it out from a, we from an really arm standpoint to do something different than last year. A few, a few overthrows. But it's a spring game, you know. I'm not going to read too much into this stuff. Des is Des. I trust that Des is going to be the, you know, the the absolute force that he was after three games last year. This team, this team's going to have a chance to be really special. I thought, I thought it was reassuring just to see. I'm not trying to read glad, too much. I'm glad, into this no, stuff, I'm glad but, you brought that up. You said special because we've been having this conversation. Here, here's where we really want to get to. Here's the meat of the football talk. Um. We were talking a lot off air about the chances of the playoffs, and I'm 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 all about that. If the Bearcats do come in and take care of business, which is go undefeated, this is going to be the year that it's going to be, in my personal opinion, and I think a lot of the media's opinion, I think, starting to get behind us already, uh, that it's going to be very hard to keep this particular Cincinnati team out of the playoffs. Play off. Sorry, I always put an S on it because there's two games that they play here. Um, so for yet, it's a singular, a singular version of it. Every other sport does um, a, a, a plural version of it, including the NBA the Stanley Finals. Cup Final. It's pretty. It's comparable to I that. Know. I don't really care. <laughs> My point being, though, is like so. ESPN come out with their FPI rankings or uh, the Football Power Index, which places Cincinnati just abysmally off the radar of anything that should be should be good as we know those rankings at preseason are not as good as after three or four games which luckily for us after three or four games we should have had a victory over indiana and notre dame by that point so if we take care of business i do think there's a legitimate shot the bearcats get in i think what we're gonna have to see is something i mentioned last year with uh, desmond ritter needs to get off to a hot start we cannot have that start to, because we need we sounds stupid this is where football college football gets annoying is you we're going to need some sort of narrative behind the push is it a heisman type of of narrative is it just the defense is absolutely smothering everybody and no one's scoring on us narrative is it we're blowing is it out luke fickle is one of the best coaches in college football in their narrative exactly we need narratives in order to, to sell this case um and that's why I was curious if you had a chance to see Desmond Ritter play. Cause I wanted to see, are we trying to take those shots downfield? Because I think that's something early on in the season last year, we didn't see, or we didn't see enough. And when we did see it, it was just abysmal in terms of being able to connect on some of those downfield opportunities. Well, I mean, from Des's standpoint, it's a spring scrimmage. So like, I'm not going to make it have any takeaways that I override. I just want to no, see him attempting it as a thing. I want to see. Him yeah. He's to, throwing, yeah. he's throwing downfield. He's still athletic. He's still big. He can still make throws into tight spaces. Is the accuracy still a bit inconsistent based on the small sample size that I saw? Yes. But there's several months left before we even have our first game. Des this team's going to go as Des goes, and this team is going to go as the defense goes. The thing about Des and the offense in particular, because I haven't spoken much about the offense, 
there is there's an increased level of talent around him. You know, Jerome Ford's going to get more carries this season, and he is explosive. And on offense, he looked quicker, faster, stronger than just about everybody else on the field. Spoiler alert, Trey Tucker, still quick, still fast, still makes guys miss and can get down the sideline. Don't lie. There are plenty <laughs> of reasons to be excited about the offense. I just think it's it's definitely a Luke Fickle-style defense-first old school team in that regard. And, and that's going to be the driving force behind the team, but you certainly can't, can't be too worried when you've got Des at the helm. Um, and then another thing to keep an eye on, which I certainly didn't do as much of during, during the spring scrimmage was, is how is the offensive line going to hold up with a lot of the roster changes that we saw without James Hudson on the edge, what happens there? How, how good will it look? I wish I had actually had more time to spend watching them more closely uh, to see what Tunstall was bringing to the table and and other offensive line men, but uh, but otherwise good event I would say it would have been nice to see a few more people there. But man, we had some terrible weather um, locally that day. But all in all, I mean, when you've got a chance to to see a top ten team in the country practice, it's free. It's a fun event. Only five thousand people could attend, and we couldn't give out all the tickets. I'm going to channel my inner Chad Brendel here and say, we got to do better. We have got to get more enthusiasm and support around a team that is preseason top 10 in the country. I'm not going to give anybody ever, never am I going to give people shit for not, excuse my language again, for not going to the spring football game. Um, especially if the weather is horrible and it's raining. I'm what if a hundred people showed up for midnight madness? What if a thousand people showed up? Is it? Are you still upset? I, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, is, I've never is Midnight Madness a sellout event? At its peak, when the Bearcats were a top ten program, preseason buzz for contending for championships and Final Fours, that stadium was filling up. There was going to be thousands of people in attendance to watch what, a team and that's to watch the head coach talk about bench pressing, to watch players pull off a couple dunks. I mean, right. When was, when was the renovation finished of, of fifth third? Like that, that's all Bob Huggins era. Right. So like that's 12,000 people max. Yeah. I, I can't remember the prior. Uh, was the standing tenants. room only? That's what I'm saying. It's is like it 12, like seven, six, 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 seven or something. Yeah. So I'm like at midnight madness is it six, seven is, or 6,000, 9,000. Right. right. So maybe like 50% of the total. If total we get 10,000 to show up for a spring football game, I'm pretty pumped about it. How many thousand? 10,000. Yeah, but we didn't. There was a 5,000 person. And you said capacity. it was raining and it's cold and it's nasty. It was, it was drizzling. I mean, it was a consistent drizzle. It wasn't a very heavy rain. Yeah. And it's, I'm it's just nasty. saying it would have been, a, it would have been also, nice don't we have COVID? Did, don't they have like COVID restrictions? They only sold 5,000 tickets, right? There was no selling. It was free. You show That's up. That's what I'm saying, they but they only had 5,000 tickets. Yes. And they did not give them all out because it was just, just horrible out. Make excuses, Hummer. I'm just I am saying it's a top excuses. 10 team. I don't know if it was due to marketing. I don't know if it's due to the weather. I don't know if it's due to apathy about college football in this town. Regardless, I just, we got to make sure that we're, if they're going to full capacity for the fall season, that is a thing. Like they, we've got to, we've got to get the enthusiasm and support up. We've got to get folks buying. Oh, for sure. Games. Also, you need to go hit up StubHub. You need to go hit up Vivid Seats. You need to go hit up any secondary seller of tickets uh, for the game at Notre Dame, let's let's take it over, man. Let's let's That's let's right. make the UC cheers loud enough 
Um, I personally have been to, I hate to admit this, I have been to a uh, Ohio State Buckeyes game at Michigan State. And those, the, they, they not only do they sell out their, obviously their allotment of tickets, they bring enough people who buy their tickets off stuff of that. You can audibly hear the, the, the Buckeye chants, the OHIO going through. I want to go, we're going to Notre Dame. Uh, we will be, we will be traveling to Notre Dame. I don't know if there's a spoiler alert here. Uh, Coomer looks surprised. Uh, yeah, we're going to Notre Dame. <laughs> no, we've uh, talked about it. I'm aware. Yeah, we've talked about it, but I want to, I want to get to Notre Dame and I want to make the, the, uh, Oh, uh, oh, uh, UC chant so loud that you can hear it all throughout. I don't even know the name of Notre Dame Stadium because I don't want to. We're going to hear it all throughout that stadium. That's what I want. So, guys, go out, buy your tickets. So as soon as they go on sale, you know, and who cares? Who might care? Just buy them. I think we can do it. I think we can go into Notre Dame. I think we can beat Brian Kelly's behind. The last thing I want to ask you about, Hummer is that ESPN released their college football power index for the 2021 season, the first one of the year. The Bearcats came in at 27th in the country. Is this a big deal, or is it something we shouldn't be paying attention to? I'm not panicking about it. It's a it's the power index rankings. They are, as the season goes on, they get more accurate. It's basically your, if you look at what makes up that number, it is trying to be a predictive indicator of your, percentage of winning a game against a certain opponent um and it's not that accurate throughout the first few games of the season it gets more accurate as you hit that third fourth game of the year um after that though it's accuracy actually shoots up an astonishing like it's like 75 percent of the time it's right something crazy like that um i was reading into i was starting to get into it because i was looking at um, betting odds <laughs> and you can Apparently, win a lot of money if you you use the F- FPI rankings in college football. Um, so I shouldn't look at it as a potential canary in the coal mine situation where this is again the not national until, media, not until, the national like, media landscape doing what they can to to artificially suppress our standing and our ranking, so that there are built-in excuses at the end of the year, despite an undefeated season, not going to keeping let you us out of our rightful just... place in the college football playoff. I'm not going to let you go down that rabbit hole this early in the season. Uh, last year we talked. I'm about worried. How, I'm cynical. Well, last year, last year we talked about October being being a good time to be in the conversation, right? Yeah, um, and we were wrong. Like it didn't matter. They still found a way to screw us. They found a way to screw us. We were in the conversation. They said the biggest thing we didn't have is is a schedule. We have the schedule this year. I'm not. I'm not. But do worried. we have the schedule? That's this is this is my worry. This is the last. We're going to talk about it more later. But we play Miami, Murray State, and then Indi- at Indiana, at Notre Dame, back-to-back. And those games happen on September 18th and October 2nd. After October 2nd, here are the games that we're going to be putting forward. Temple, UCF, at Navy. Now, we're still in October at this point. October 30th is at Tulane. Then Saturday, home versus Tulsa, Tulsa at USF home to SMU on November 20th. And then our last game of the year is at East Carolina. After those two sexy road games at Indiana, at Notre we Dame, play, we don't play Houston at all. I mean, unless we're in, unless it's in the conference championship Wait, game, no the, Houston, no Memphis. What the hell is the conference doing to us? 
That's what I'm saying, Hummer. The, oh. the, the narrative around the team is going to look mighty. Uh, they're going to start, they're going to start being nitpicky on things like our schedule, our conference schedule after those two road games. I'm just saying, look, I don't, I didn't want to freak oh, people out. I, I don't want to no, get you I nervous because it's like you overlooked the fact that we're not playing the two, the two other best schools in the, in the damn conference, which well, is, technically Tulane has the second best odds to win our conference this year. No, apparently. I get that. But two of the other good schools in the conf- conference being Memphis, like Tulane is the second best odds, kick but East every- Carolina kick, 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 kick East Carolina out of the schedule for us and, and, uh, and kick temple out and put in Memphis and Houston, please. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need them. Sorry. Maybe Tulane will will surprise everybody and, and exceed expectations. But Hummer, let's leave it there. Uh, good to start talking football again. Good to have that back in our lives. Good to see. Good to see Luke Fickle roaming the uh, the middle of the field, engaged, hands on knees every single play. Shorts. By the way, it looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. Look fit. He's been doing those calf lifts. <laughs> That's right. All right. I Hummer, I, like, did Dev, how did Desmond Ritter's calves look? Did they look solid? Uh. I do have a lot of calf analysis. I I know. I didn't see Dez's calves. No, no comment on those calves. Coming to, coming to you this year before the opening tip off, we will do a calf analysis of every Bearcat basketball player on the roster. I have still ne- not seen any calves that would overtake Prince Toyambi's calves. Okay. <laughs> All right. Still the best calves in the game. Hummer, I got nothing else. Let's leave it there. This podcast probably rambled a little bit more than usual. Thank you for sticking with us. Appreciate you following the podcast. We've got uh, our downloads have gone up recently. It's really been fun. Thank you for sharing the word. Thank you for for leaving reviews. Been some funny ones recently, both good and bad. But is the um, website still is the website up and running? The Should website's we not up and running. Uh, but yeah, please give us a follow where you where you uh, listen to podcasts. Leave a review. A five star one is strongly preferred. Um, but we enjoy we enjoy reading them. We had a, we had good feedback from a Michigan fan who uh, thought that our our podcast is good. So we appreciate that Michigan fan. Hopefully you're and still it, listening to the podcast and uh, we'll talk, we'll keep, we'll keep putting them out for you. And if, and if you want to troll us, that's fine. You can do it behind a review or you could be a man and hit us up on Twitter at cincyslangin.com. Come at us. I'm not or afraid of at, you at, at Cincy Slangin, but uh, they get the point. Yeah. They get Hummer. the point. Hummer, Look, I'm, what's I'm the fired up, baby. I'm fired up to be a Cincinnati Bearcat. Let's go.